We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'll never call off fourth quarter pressure. Back of the jersey, double sevens. No matter how many times, I'll never get tired of that reference. Hop Hall of Fame for dirt. We love you with a deep breath. Hi, this is Luka Doncic, and you're listening to the Maps Step Back Podcast. Waiting on my fall off. I'll never call off. Fourth quarter pressure. Back of the jersey. Double sevens. No matter how many times, I'll never get tired of that reference. Hall of Fame for dirt. We love you with a deep reverence. Bad court nasty. I wonder who gon' check him. Cuban did his thing when he went and got number 11. I still got his pitch on my wall at 707. Feel synonymous with Kyrie, how we both train with aggression. Competition obsolete. Trying to breathe life into my dreams. I'm so tired of sleep. Still got some work from last season that was incomplete. So hungry for redemption. Thank my boys, that's my overheat. Like Luca with his three of them hit. My mic is prone to overheat. I pride myself the most. I'm 22 and my folks proud of me. I took the heart away since I was 10. It's no surprise to me. A step back mass blowing no, it's no surprise to me. And I'm speaking honestly. Seven. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Drew Johnson. You can find both of us on Twitter at Dalton underscore Trigg and at Coach Drew. 33. Today we are joined, uh, rejoined by uh, my DallasBasketball.com colleague, Grant Afseth. You can find him on Twitter as well, or X if you're calling it that now. I still refuse to call it that. Uh, <laughs> at Grant Afseth. Uh, he is on the ground there uh, going through all the Mavs media, well, not media day, but Mavs training camp stuff. Media day is tomorrow, Friday, uh, where, you know, there will be a lot of other good stuff coming. But He's already gotten a lot of good stuff already, and Grant, just you know, from the first few days, I mean, what are the what are the vibes you're getting from this team, and what are some of the more intriguing uh, things you've heard from you know Luca, Jay Kidd, Kyrie, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think overall there's a lot of positivity. Usually there is for you know just about any team that's going to be starting off uh, early on for sure. But, uh, you know, I think there's a general understanding that the potential is very high for a team that has Luka and Kyrie. Both of them are optimistic about what they can do. And then I think there was also an understanding that the supporting cast needed to be upgraded. And I think they're all very, you know, optimistic about the moves. I think today was interesting. Uh, You know, Kyrie Irving talked about his influence on some of those roster decisions, uh, you know, despite being a free agent himself. And, you know, he, he had 
you know, eyes on Grant Williams as an option. I'm sure he has some pull for Seth Curry, given he was, you know, teammates in Brooklyn and was pretty excited about that move. And overall, you know, I thought was interesting, which I'm sure you'll love, is that in the middle of his long, you know, comment about, you know, the roster and changes that were made and uh, if he had any influence on it, he also mentioned, and uh, you'll you'll like to know there's some free agents that are coming up uh, that could be interesting next summer or the following summer. And I do enjoy there. that. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> you know, there's some free agents out there, you know, and he's like, uh, so yeah, that uh, was definitely interesting for sure. Well, we, we know he's a, you know, he's capable of recruiting guys. I mean, the draw of Kyrie Irving is just as good as, you know, the talent of Kyrie Irving. He's got those connections. Guys love him. Uh, and the Mavs have never been good at attracting big-name free agents, but they've never had Kyrie Irving either. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what side of that ends up winning out uh, the next time the Mavs have a chance to add a big-time free agent. So, uh, and I mean, look, you, you never know what could happen this upcoming season as we get close to the trade deadline because, you know, they might end up trading Tim Hardaway Jr. or Maxi Kleba or, you know, uh, Rashawn Holmes, you know, some of these contracts that have an extra year on them, maybe they end up doing something that packages those guys and ends up, you end up getting expiring money back. And then you can go into free agency next summer and do something. Or, you know, the year after that, you never know. Uh, one of those, and I mean, I, we'll get back to Mavs training camp, but now uh, Grant has opened up a, a box of worms for me. Uh, <laughs> you said, you said uh, the F word. <laughs> <laughs> now now that the box has been opened uh you know the a few weeks ago uh my eyes opened up they were r- real bright i was bright and bushy-tailed and talking about the renewed Giannis pipe dream because he was he's just talking so much this summer uh about the doubts of his uh future with the bucks and we should have learned i, I should have learned specifically from how that all transpired last time because last time he did it the bucks turned around immediately and made a big trade for drew holiday ended up winning a championship and you know we never heard anything about it for like two more years and now the same thing has happened uh Giannis talked all summer cast doubt over his his future with the bucks and now they have made a big swing for damian lillard uh which i didn't see coming I didn't think that was going to happen. This out of all the teams, you know, I thought maybe Philadelphia was interesting. Uh, we heard some stuff about the Raptors leading up to it, but you know, they ended up making the trade with um, with the Blazers. It was a three way deal. Uh, DeAndre Ayton goes to the Blazers. Uh, Drew Holiday goes to the Blazers too. Nurkic to the uh, Suns, and then Dame uh, forms a superstar duo with Giannis in Milwaukee. So. I'm not going to say the the pipe dream is dead, dead. Uh, It's kind of dead, though, in my opinion, because I feel like that's the kind of move that that satisfies Giannis. And, you know, Drew Holiday earlier in the offseason, or really before the season ended, it was back in April, went on a podcast and talked about how he was seriously considering retiring after his current contract is up. Uh, Not this season, but after next season. And then that's when Giannis started talking. So now that that's not the case anymore. And they have Damian Lillard who's never won a title. He's hungry. Uh, And, you know, that's going to be a nightmare duo between Dame's offense and Giannis's everything. 
so, I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on that? I get Drew. We'll start with you first. I mean, I know you you kind of roll your eyes when I get to talking about Giannis <laughs> because um, you're just ready for it to to be over with. But I mean, what are your thoughts on the Dame Lillard trade and what it might mean for Giannis's future and the Mavs' future? Well, we'll see. You know, we saw in Brooklyn how uh, they brought together superstars and it didn't work out. And there's other examples of this as well. That could be the same thing in Milwaukee. Honestly, I could see it happening. Um, it all come down to how badly these players want to make this happen. They have the talent to go far. I mean, not only outside of that duo, they have Chris Middleton. They still have Brooke Lopez, do they not? Yeah, Brooke Lopez, so, I mean, Bobby Portis. Yeah. I mean, they've got good pieces on that team. I mean, it's not just Dame and Giannis. They're pretty dang deep. So, I don't know. It'll just – we'll have to see if it works out. If it doesn't work out, you know, the Mavs can obviously try to make a play. How optimistic I am about them completing said play, I'm not. I, I'm I'm just not. I've been. I've had my heart broken too many times. I'm sorry. So, um, I don't know what my problem is. I'm like a – I don't know. I'm like a Mavs punching bag. I just never fully go away. I, I take all these punches in the face and in the groin and every, you know, all I, I just, I just keep coming back for more. I don't know what's wrong. It's like I'm, I'm a sicko. I'm a, I'm a Mavs sicko is what I am. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I, until Giannis retires, I think I'll always have that in the back of my mind. But uh, anyway, I, I, I'm tired. Sorry, I had to go down a rabbit hole for a second, but. You know, I just wanted to mention that we were going to talk about the Dame trade at some point anyway, so it might have might as well have been now. Uh, but anyway, back to uh, Mavs training camp. You know, one of the things you mentioned, Grant, was Kyrie Irving uh, talking about. You know, you mentioned Seth Curry, and that was one of the bigger signings this off season. Everybody knows, you know, Seth Curry. He's the sixth best sixth best three point shooter in NBA history by percentage, a little over forty three percent. His career high came the last time he was in Dallas, the 2019-2020 season. His only season played with Luka, no surprise there, uh, a little over 45% from three. So things are things are looking optimistic for that signing specifically, not just because of the three-point shooting and not just because of the previous chemistry with Luka, but you know, Kyrie, he made a statement, and you wrote about this on DallasBasketball.com, uh, or, well, you – I think you wrote about it, and then I took one little quote and wrote something myself too, but he said, I'm excited. He's an incredible shooter and leader to have in the locker room. It's going to be interesting to see him out there with myself and Luca, and also the second unit at times. He has a great work ethic. So, you know, we know about the previous history with Luca. We know about the three-point shooting, but then Kyrie comes in, and he's been a teammate of Seth Curry's in Brooklyn, and he mentions the leadership, you know, the locker room presence, which – the Mavs desperately needed after some of the stuff that went down last year. So, I mean, what do you think about Seth Curry's third stint coming up with the Mavs and how important of a piece he'll be? Yeah, I think it definitely gives them a lot of options. I think, you know, the, the catch and shoot ability is, you know, very evident, but something that, you know, I personally, you know, highlighted, you know, during the, you know, the off season as well, that I think a lot of people sort of overlook with Seth Curry is that he can also create out of ball screens as well. And, you know, entering last, you know, like last season after the uh, offseason they had, there was a lot of questions about like, you know, who could be, you know, a third guard because, uh, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie was the second guard and whether that was, you know, considered the, you know, the actual answer or not or, or a sufficient answer. 
that that ended up not being the case either since they traded for Kyrie Irving. But for the third guard situation, you know, between like Compazzo and, you know, Frank Natilakina, they tried multiple, and then Kemba Walker, they tried various options uh, last season that I think, you know, don't necessarily, you know, have the same abilities that Seth Curry has. And Jason Kidd even highlighted this as well. He said like, you know, something about him is that you can, he can get you into different things in your offense uh, in addition to just being a sharpshooter as well. And, you know, I also thought it was interesting. I think they're just going to have a lot of competition on the bench backcourt overall. Uh, you know, I asked about Jaden Hardy today and, you know, there was a lot of praise overall about, you know, like the work that he's put in since summer league and all that stuff. But he said, it's going to be, you know, he's got the challenge to, you know, earn minutes. And like, we have a lot of talent basically like in the backcourt. Um, so I think, uh, you know, they basically add a lot of options overall that are intriguing. I think, uh, you know, between, you know, Hardy, Curry, and then also Dante Exum, like they have, you know, different intangibles for each of those guys. And I think that's definitely a different reality than where they were at uh, entering last season, especially at the top of the roster, because already having that, you know, backcourt partner uh, that you would hopefully have traded for last entering last season as yeah. the, the target, <laughs> you know, now they're deeper, you know, beyond those two guys as well, too. So I think, you know, that there's optimism with that. And then it's just hard to tell how it'll shake out. Like, it, it's tough to determine if, like, Seth Curry's more of, going to be like a, uh, oh, we need a stable veteran. Is Are we going to utilize, you know, him uh, if you're the perspective of the Mavericks? Or if, uh, you know, we, we basically, you know, have some issues with Jaden Hardy, like continuing to, with his development, like ups and downs with the young player. Is that what we need to turn to? And then, or do we need defensive versatility on the court? Well, maybe Dante Exum would be a good option to throw out there. So I think they just have different options and they've kind of insulated themselves from kind of the, the potential downsides of relying too much on a young guard like Hardy, who's continuing to develop. So I think definitely some interesting you know possibilities uh, to kind of think about as the season starts with that. It's a good problem to have, though, because, I mean, like you said, last year the, the failed experiments with Compazzo and Kimba Walker, uh, well, I mean, you know, Kimba, he, he actually played well when he did get to play. But, you know, it's never a good sign when your general manager – is saying basically that a guy's knee is a ticking time bomb uh, before they even officially made the signing. <laughs> so, that's what happened last year. You know, Nico made a comment about uh, Kimba's knees not being good. It's not uh, good. Went, it's not good at all or something like that. Yeah, he straight yeah. up said it before he ever even took the court for the Mavs. And then he went out there for that Cleveland game in an overtime game, played like 40 minutes or something, scored 32 points. And that's the last we saw of Kimba Walker as a Maverick. <laughs> he quite literally left it all on the floor. He really did. He really did. Now he's got him a, a lucrative overseas gig now. So good for him. He's not he's not completely thrown in the towel yet. But I, I, I'd imagine his NBA career at least is, is behind him. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's a good problem to have. Uh, I personally, and I'm sure both of you thought it as well, but, I mean, I, I really thought this was the summer where uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. was going to get traded. I really thought it. I mean, it's been it's been rumored for two years now. Uh, you know, there's been reports that the Mavs had talks with the Suns uh, on draft night for DeAndre Ayton, who's now in Portland, uh, and the initial offer that we keep hearing about was, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., Rashawn Holmes, and JaVale McGee. And apparently the Suns didn't want JaVale McGee. Uh, well, JaVale McGee got waived, so he's not part of it now. And then, you know, uh, Tim McMahon 
came out and said that, you know, the Suns would have been willing to take Tim Hardaway Jr. and Rashawn Holmes for DeAndre Ayton. Now, from what I've seen from Lively over the course of this summer, and Jason Kidd has shown a willingness at least to try to start him uh, and let him, you know, just see how he handles it. I'm not mad that the Mavs didn't make that move, even though it would have kept, you know, them from having to put too much on Lively too early. But, I mean, what are your thoughts on that specific situation? You know, should the Mavs have pulled the trigger earlier without McGee involved in that trade? Or do you kind of like how the situation has played out heading into the season? Yeah, I think overall it definitely comes down to the internal perception of how ready Lively is to make an impact. I think, you know, as we said on that earlier, like that previous podcast episode, uh, something that definitely differentiates Lively from like the typical, you know, 19-year-old or just rookie in general, regardless of age, is that he really does know his job. Like he was drafted and he immediately said, oh, I'm going to set screens and play defense and do the dirty <laughs> work for like at the draft. He said that after he put his hat on and then he said it in Vegas, uh, you know, throughout the whole time. And he understood that that was for his development to do the dirty work. And, you know, they were focusing on all these nuances, like, like, like setting screens and all this stuff, uh, like all the things that were concerns uh, that people had about his, you know, like his raw skill set, if you will, uh, entering the NBA. Like they were kind of focused on that from the start throughout the, you know, summer league process. And then also he, he's been around since August, uh, you know, around the facility, working hard. And, uh, you know, coach, coaching staff said that, you know, we've liked the progress he's made. And Jason Kidd described it as like he's taking jumps. Same with, uh, you know, Omax, Prosper, uh, you know, the other rookie that the Mavericks drafted in the first round as well. So I think overall, like, we, we're not in the building to really know, obviously, like, like as uh, like observers or, you know, people just writing about the team. But if they're confident, I think that kind of shows in the action or inaction, if you will. Uh, from the trade activity that they like the you know potential I guess immediacy of what he could do and I think overall like it gets into a kind of a a can of worms you have to open when you talk about trades because you're not just taking on like a name you have to take on the contract and then you're looking at like multiple years too like it's not just like is Lively ready this year or even the first month of the season it's a matter of can we be able to be mobile or flexible enough with our salary situation if he's ready by year two or in the middle of year two? And are we willing to be patient enough to go through the you know ups and downs for a rookie to be able to get to that point? Um, and you don't want to have money kind of covering up you know that center position and then having to move that deal. I mean, then it gets into also further layers to it where you're like, well, who's that player? Would that be a movable contract? What could you move it for? What other assets did you have? So that's why I'm on a podcast that I'm not running a front office. But yeah, yeah like <laughs> overall, it's definitely uh, definitely interesting situation to think about because uh, the, the general sentiment was like, you know, a li- like Omax Prosper is the rookie that will probably be ready to go. Uh, yeah. You know, even mm. if it takes a couple months, he's the one that will probably be an impact player as a rookie. He's ready. You know, naturally, he's older. He's He's played like three years of college basketball, so that's understandable. But it was definitely interesting to see the change in the the I guess you could say the the messaging or the narrative, if you will. Like Jared Dudley said, like this is going to be a process, uh, you know, throughout the summer league. You know, like we're talking about Lively as a rookie, and then now it's like, 
well, he's going to have a chance to, you know, play with the starters and get reps, and we'll see how he reacts to it. And I will say this, to be fair, Jason Kidd did say, well, we do this with all of our young players. So it's like, I guess that's a yeah. little bit of like, not like a full go, like, this is going to happen. This is a starter for us. Like, so I think some people kind of interpreted, like, like, I guess, uh, took out of context, if you will. I saw on like social media uh, after those initial comments were made, but it's like, at least they're going to have the opportunity to get the reps and we'll just see how they respond. Yeah. That's why you cover a team throughout like the start to finish as well. You got to see how it's handled as it kind of plays out. So we'll, we'll that'll, that'll definitely be something to monitor uh, you know, especially in Abu Dhabi when they may start those two games. That you'll be there for, too. So that, yes. that's yeah. yes. wow. com in Abu Dhabi. That's going to be amazing. So and then and then you're going to uh, Madrid after that when uh, when the Mavs play uh, Lucas, former team, Real Madrid. So that that'll be some really intriguing stuff coming from overseas uh, from Grant Afset, the Globetrotter. For DallasBasketball.com. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking speaking of Globetrotters, I'm going to show everybody this logo. You know, we're going to have these uh, <laughs> have these shirts coming up here in the next few weeks. And I just I love that that new logo just because not just because it's basketball, but it looks like the globe. And I feel like our coverage is worldwide. So uh, had to plug that real quick. But anyway, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying there, I do think it was kind of taken out of context because, you know, like last season, Jaden Hardy started in a preseason game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in in a few minutes. (laughs) Instacart for the win. And he didn't do very well. So (laughs) he started in that preseason game. He didn't do very well. And then he got stuck with the Legends until later in the season before he got his, his next opportunity. So... Uh, you know, kids going to give them that chance and depending and you know, if they, if they take that opportunity and they run with it, then, you know, maybe they end up having a bigger role from the start, but you know, you can kind of tell. And I mean, you know, Drew and I, we have, we, we talked to Lively and Prosper earlier this season. And then most recently, uh, Jordan Sears, the Texans, Texas legends head coach. And, you know, from what we've heard from them, we could tell right off the bat these kids are, you know, more mature than your average rookies. 
you know, Derek Lively, he probably still needs to add a little bit more muscle. It looks like he has uh, mm-hmm. since we spoke to him at Summer League. Uh, Omax Prosperer is just a man child. He is he is physically ready. Like he, they, there's a picture of him standing right by Markeith Morris at training camp earlier today, and it's just like, oh, okay. Well, there's like no difference there. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he's filled out and ready to go. So, you know, the maturity's there, the physical part of it's there, the high basketball IQ, and like you said, the mindset. Like they just they have this mindset that you want around superstar players like Luca and Kyrie. And that was the biggest takeaway from me, you know, uh, well, from Luca's comments on day one of training camp when he talked about Lively and Prosper. And he said, you know, they work hard and they listen. And that's what you want to hear from your superstar. You want guys that are super talented, but they're also willing to accept their role and play it, which is what the Mavs desperately lacked last season. So that's part of my reason for being optimistic for this season. I feel like I have more reasons to be optimistic this time around instead of just being optimistic for the you know (laughs) just for being optimistic but you know i i think that's the biggest thing you have young guys you have uh some other veterans you've brought in that are good at playing specific roles like seth curry um and you have guys that are hungry like dante exum you mentioned uh Derek Jones Jr., who we haven't haven't even mentioned, you know, having a guy like that on the end of your roster versus like, you know, say Theo Pinson, I feel like that's overlooked a little bit. I mean, it, he's he might not play a huge factor in the Mavs' success this year, but I think there's a more of an opportunity for that to happen than than what the Mavs were dealing with last year. But uh, uh, Drew, what do you think about you know just the the idea? of Derek Lively starting at center for the Mavs versus, you know, what we've talked about with all these different scenarios earlier in the offseason with DeAndre Ayton, with uh, Clint Capella, with the Hawks, who still hasn't traded, you know, he, he hasn't been traded either. You know, we'll have to see how that situation goes if uh, if uh, the Hawks end up making a play for Siakam or not. But, I mean, what are your thoughts on potentially starting Lively from day one? Well, I see the benefits of, either option you know obviously getting a more experienced guy like capella who's very good in his own right would definitely help but at the same time you're giving a young guy like lively who has tons of potential i think i've been saying that since before he was drafted Um, (laughs) i I will never forget last uh it was like no mid-november last year before we had we didn't even think the mavs were going to be keeping their pick and Drew here was just like banging the Derek Lively drum. We have to find a way to get Derek Lively. And I was like, dude, we're not even going to keep the pick. And then everything imploded. And it's like, here we are. Woo! <laughs> so for your sake, I'm glad all this happened because if he is really good, it's going to make you look really good. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you, you get lucky every once in a while. But, um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, I think he's got tons of upward potential. Um I think that he is much more potentially than just a lob catcher, a rebounder, and a shot blocker. But at the same time, I think he can fill those roles right away. You know, I'm worried about him getting into foul trouble, but you're going to worry about that with any young big right now. And that's literally the only downside I see to this right now. You know, he may be a little bit undersized, but who's to say he isn't by the time we actually start playing ball because he's already put on what looks to be a tremendous amount of muscle. So, you know, I'm sticking to my guns with Derek Lively. 
I've, I've been with them since November and I'm going to ride them until, you know, we run out of ammo. So, yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I, at this point, seeing how things have progressed from summer league, I think the right approach is to roll with what you have and, you know, kind of keep some of the guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. who will be halfway through, you know, this current year by the time the trade deadline gets here. And then maybe he's a little bit more movable and you don't have to, you know, the last thing I want the Mavs to do at this point is make a desperation trade when you don't have to make one. Mm-hmm. You know, like people have mentioned Drew Holiday. I mentioned it earlier. He got traded to the Blazers. There's been reports that he might get flipped to another team after that. But, I mean, Drew Holiday, and he's good. He's really good. He's still really good. He had a great season last year. But he's 33 years old, and he's making $36 million a year for the next two years, I believe. I mean, you just can't – you can't tra- – somebody – some I saw a fake trade where somebody, you know – they were presenting the idea that the Mavs should trade like lively and Omax and like all this other stuff just to get drew holiday. And I'm thinking like, that's insanity. Like that. How, why? (laughs) I'm just, I'm not, I don't want the Mavs doing something like that. That's going to potentially set them back, you know, even further. Uh, You know, that's, that's kind of what happened at the end of Dirk's career. You know, they, they made some panic moves. They swung for the fences and missed. They didn't value the draft. And next thing you know, you know, Dirt didn't make the playoffs for the last several years of his career, and it was just – it was bad. Now, it, they did end up with Luka because of all that. But, you know, it, it wasn't a great way to send Dirk out. So, I think they're on the right path now. I think they, uh, they have the young pieces that can grow around both Luka and Kyrie – and get this team back to not just a playoff contender. I think they could be a title contender at some point, uh, you know, throughout this season when they build when they build chemistry. But um, you know the and Grant, you mentioned it with with Jaden Hardy too. I was really excited about the ten, not just you know what the Mavs could potentially do with Hardaway and whatever they get in return for him, but I was also thinking like, well, that's going to open up more minutes for for uh, Hardy, you know, especially if they end up trading Tim Hardaway Jr. for a center and it never happened. And now you have this log jam. And I mean, we've talked with, uh, I mentioned Jordan Sears, the Texas legends head coach while ago, he has personally spent time. And you know this cause you were in Frisco last year too. And he was, you know, Sears was working with Hardy uh, pregame and stuff like that. And he's had a hand in his development, but you know, he's put in a lot of work. He's got a ton of potential uh, he's known as a scorer, but he's been working on, you know, being able to distribute the ball better and do other things that uh, he wasn't able to do at the beginning of his rookie year. Where does he fit in? I mean, are, do we need to tone down the hardy hype at this point? Or is there a way that he can realistically work his way into a consistent role this season, you know, instead of what happened to him in his rookie year? I think I would say from now, it would probably be wise to tone it down because for the last part of what you said, that's what he's gonna, exactly going to have to do. He's going to have to work uh, to earn it because of the you know the reasons we mentioned as well. Like the there's more depth in the backcourt for competition right now, and you know with Tim Hardaway and Josh Green uh, both on the bench unit, like I would assume, unless 
you know, they, they ended up putting, you know, green uh, in the starting lineup. And it gets kind of like uh, ends up being a similar situation if Omax comes off the bench as well, because then you have competition on the wing there too. But overall, regardless of the combinations that are around on the perimeter, I think you're going to basically have to think about like the minutes distribution. They're going to stagger the minutes of, you know, both the superstars. So you're going to have Kyrie Irving on the, the floor running the bench, most likely, if, you know, they continue the same practice as last year. And in that case, you're, that's a six foot one guard. Uh, and then you're going to have who's going to have the ball in his hands. And that's when it's attack mode for him uh, or money time, if you will. And then you're going to need to have, you know, defensive personnel and, you know, floor spacing. And, you know, Jaden Hardy provides, you know, an effective catch and shoot ability. He can attack closeouts. But the defensive element of it, there are options that are better on the roster uh, currently. And then you also have to worry about the ups and downs of a young player, uh, which then you don't really have to worry about with Seth Curry. Like every player will have, you know, naturally like, you know, cold streaks. So it's not like to say – well, just because Seth Curry's a veteran, he's never going to have off nights or three-game stretch of not shooting the ball well. But you at least, as probably as a coach or you know even Kyrie Irving, perhaps trust that option more in must-win games when you're trying to build momentum as a team. Uh, you know, in those situations. So I think he's going to have to compete and earn uh, those opportunities. And you know that's why I even asked today about it because I think a lot of people were starting to get some questions about you know where where he may fit because he hasn't really been brought up in a lot of the general comments, you know, like, like, Oh, what do you like about this team this year? Like he's not really necessarily a frequently mentioned name uh, for what they have. And I think, uh, you know, a team that's trying to bounce back from a down year that didn't make the play in there's a, there's pressure naturally. And what's the best way to overcome pressures to have like stable veteran, you know, options. But I do think overall, you know, anytime Jaden has done interviews, you know, whether it's like with Mavs.com or, you know, even you know, like Dallas basketball or whoever. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got, he knows what he needs to improve. He, he mentions off ball defensive awareness, you know, his passing reads, his shot selection. Those are all priorities in summer league. And there's still plenty of work to be done in all those areas after the summer league performance that he showed. But, you know, that's to be expected. Like progress isn't going to be all linear and rapid. Uh, I do think overall thinking of like about just in general with young talent, you know, we can think about also with Derek Lively uh, this year. Think like I like to kind of compare it to the guard situation of last year's roster. If you don't think long term, the answers are with what you have with the veterans like Dwight Powell or Rashawn Holmes. I think for you know, like just relating this to Derek Lively, I think you also have to take into account what would the progression be like throughout an 82 game season by the time you get to maybe you know post All Star break in March? when you decide that those veteran options weren't your answers and you have to turn somewhere else. I think when you look at how important Hardy was in March, that was partly due to the roster limitations, but I'm, you know, you have to take development into account. He, if you think about that observation story that I wrote in Dallas basketball that you edited, he went from a DNP one day, Luca got hurt in new Orleans and didn't close the fourth (laughs) quarter. So he got like, 17 some like a little bit of playing time there to close the game and then Kyrie Irving went down as well and then he was the first option taking 20 plus shots like like if he had played earlier in the year in favor of options that you ultimately moved on from could he have been more prepared to help lead wins in those games when you were trying to you know battle it out for you know contention 
So that's right. kind of the big picture things you have to keep in mind as well when you kind of evaluate, you know, like like your options overall as a team. Well, that and that's what I was saying last year with Hardy too. You know, early in the season, I was like, you know, throw him in there, give him give him a few minutes. Like it doesn't have to be twenty minutes a game. You know, give him eight to ten minutes a game, something. Just get him some actual playing time against real NBA teams, because that's the only way you're going to progress and get better as a young player. It, you can put up all the numbers you want to in the G League. The only way you're truly going to get better as an NBA player is getting real NBA minutes. And so I thought, you know, if they would have just started him off a little bit earlier, like what you alluded to, he would have been more effective. And he was still really good. He was really good in certain moments at the end of last season. But the consistency was kind of lacking, and I feel like that would have been a little bit better if he had done it for the full course of the season instead of just what ended up being 48 games for the map. So, but you're right. I mean, he he is very – he's a smart kid. Like, he, he realizes what he needs to work on. That's that's one thing about these Mavs young guys. You know, they have a good mix of really high confidence, but they also have some self-awareness, too, of, like, what they need to improve on going forward, which is a, a breath of fresh air. I mean, I've been through – I remember back when, and, I mean, y'all might not remember him, but, you know, uh, Jared Cunningham – Back in the day, the Mavs got him, and I, I know I'm picking on Jared Cunningham here, but, you know, he was one of those players that, you know, the confidence was through the roof, sky high, but, you know, there wasn't really much self-awareness as far as what he had to work on, and, you know, as a result, he he didn't stay in the league very long either. But, uh, you know, I think I'm really excited for all these young guys. I think they'll play a role in one way or another this season. Hardy, it's a little bit – tougher to gauge what he's going to be but Omax and Lively I think they'll be you know whether they're starting or not I think they'll have an important role on this Mavs team no matter what uh, whether they're coming off the bench or if they end up starting but uh, one last thing we're not going to spend too much time talking about this but I have to get your perspective on it Grant before we take off here Luca and that leg injury that has been nagging him since like March of, of this year and it resurfaced in the FIBA World Cup, uh, and he, he, he said it. I mean, he, he said it. You wrote about it. You know, he said it was not good. It raised concerns. You know, people with the Slovenian national team, the training staff, and all, you know, they were concerned about it. So, naturally, it was a worry coming in a training camp, and then, you know, Luca kind of put out the fire a little bit, so to speak, uh, the first day, or today, actually, or was it? No, yeah, it was the first day of uh, training camp when he talked to media and I mean, what from what you're able to tell, you know, from Luca in these first few days, I mean, do you think he's kind of sugarcoating it a little bit, or do you think he's really given enough time to, you know, completely heal? I think in general, it seems to be something that flares up at times. Like I think, uh, you know, like with you know long stretches of competition, I think uh, you know obviously we they don't know too much about it. It sounds like themselves. So I'm just speculating on like, you know, just based off of comments and the patterns of the comments, it does sound like it's something they're not fully understanding of and that it's like he, he never recalled an incident where there was contact that caused an issue. And I'm definitely no doctor, but it, to me, it sounds like it's something that flares up at times. And so that's kind of what Jason Kidd has kind of talked about with it is that, you know, you don't have like sometimes as you play out your career, you're not 100 percent because hardly anyone's 100 percent. What if you're 94 percent? I think it's just going to have to be something that will be managed. And he did mention that in comments 
you know, during the World Cup that it's like, you know, he is optimistic about the healing over a longer period of time, but it's not fully healed yet. And he's still, I think it's to be determined in a sense for how that will look throughout an 82 game season. And then that gets into the whole like, yeah. how often do you rest him? And like, what, how do you make like even the game within a game easier for him? Like with things with the offense, and that's kind of why I focused on that. Uh, like he was using some different ways off the ball and like some actions out of the corner and at him as a screener where he doesn't have to break down the defense and get blitzed and all that stuff. So there are some options schematically for a team to kind of mix it up, especially when you have talent like Kyrie Irving and some of the veterans they've added. Uh, so that's kind of why I've asked about that. And I'm curious how they you know change things up a little bit, but at the end of the day, I think uh, it's definitely something to monitor uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see overall, like like early on in the season as it plays out, because it definitely was was like strange late in the year. Like he, he kind of just like did media without finishing, like after not finishing the game, and mentioned that like you know this is something that's been bothering me since you know the second game after the All Star break. I don't remember when it happened, but the next morning it you know it was a problem. And he mentioned that when he was you know jumping or shooting that it causes some issues. So overall, it's definitely something, all that detail I would keep in mind, uh, you know, kind of as the season, you know, nears and you watch it play out. Well, I mean, you you spoke with uh, the Slovenian national team's head coach uh, over over in uh, uh, at the FIBA World Cup. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. You, you, you probably can. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, he was talking about, you know, how capable Luca is of playing off ball. You know, he doesn't do it often, but he's fully capable of doing it. And like you said, that would take a lot of, you know, stress off of him throughout the course of a season if he could commit to that. Uh, you know, another thing that I think would be would take less stress off of him is if the Mavs well, I think the Mavs are okay with it. I think Luca has kind of a hard time committing to it, and that's pushing the pace, you know, uh, running more in transition, especially if you have Kyrie Irving and you have all these young athletes around you now. You have Grant Williams and you have uh, uh, Omax and, you know, even guys off the bench like Derek Jones Jr., you know, all stuff like that. Derek Lively, he's a good floor running big. You know, I think if he commits to pushing the pace a little bit more, then, you know, it'll keep him from keeping the ball in his hands too much. And, you know, it's not going to shield him completely from aggravating that injury, but I feel like it would minimize his chances of re-aggravating it. And my thing is, and I this is like a worst-case scenario, and I don't I, I really hate even putting it out there into the world into the world, but you know, after it flared up again, my thing is I don't want it to end up being some kind of weird muscle degenerative type of thing that we saw with Kawhi Leonard, you know, that he's been having issue with issues with over the last several years. So that was my biggest concern. I, I wish they would have I wish they could do enough tests and stuff to where they could completely say, Okay, well this this that isn't it. You know, this is just like a a load management type of issue. It's not something that's going to continue to be a big issue going forward. So, but yeah, and he did say they have appointments coming up. And so that'll be something to monitor. Like yeah. he said, he said when he knows he'll let us know. So I'm counting on it, Luca. If you're, if you're listening yeah. to the step back podcast, <laughs> I'm counting on you to let us know. So uh, I'll, yeah. I'll keep an eye well, out for that. Well, we're hoping for the best because I mean, Kyrie <laughs> Irving is a, is a show all to himself, but you know, we would definitely like to have, uh, 
we would definitely like to have the full show with Luca, Kyrie, all the young people, you know, uh, together with those two. So I'm excited for it. Uh, Grant, I, well, I won't speak for Grant, but, you know, we've had talks about, uh, you know, he's going to potentially be with us more often through this upcoming season. I'm hoping at least like a weekly correspondence thing uh, if you're down for that and you know we can uh it's always great to have you on here and obviously you have some insight that uh that you know drew and i don't bring to the table since we're not there as often physically so that'll be great to have too uh appreciate you coming on with us as always and uh again guys y'all can go find every one of us on twitter you can find me at dalton underscore trig you can find drew at Coach Drew33, and you can find my guy Grant at Grant Afseth as well. Stay tuned to DallasBasketball.com. We have stuff being churned out daily uh, from all different angles. I mean, any kind of Mavs content you want, whether you're into the in-depth stuff or you want, you know, trade content, whatever it is you're looking at. We even have a Travis Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift thing up on our tracker <laughs> So uh, if, if that's something you're you're interested in, we even ha- we have something for everybody. So Taylor Swift <laughs> fans, go to DallasBasketball.com. So uh, <laughs> be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for a chance to win future giveaways. Um, and go subscribe on YouTube as well, which has out of nowhere caught absolute fire this off season and we appreciate every one of you so thank you very much week and have a great weekend we'll see you next time y'all have a good one every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss plus with a u.s-based restoration specialist on your team you won't have to face drained accounts fraudulent loans or other losses from identity theft alone all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.